Man up in my city on the roof, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe The Providence College Friars Top for the crossover The reverse Oh, baby The rush the Big East. The rest of the college hoops world. Setting the screen. Dunn twisting his way in. This is the Providence Crier Podcast. With your host, a PC grad standing in at four feet tall. He is the Providence Crier himself, Mike Surratt. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Providence Crier podcast. I am your host, Mike Surratt, the Providence Crier. Read our blog, theprovidencecrier.com. Also follow me on Twitter. That's at Providence Crier. Join with me as he is every week. BOC. Follow him on Twitter at BOC all day. Um, today is Wednesday, January or February third. Um, you know, recording this. It's kind of funny. We put out the article after the Georgetown game a little late. I think both you and I needed time to kind of take that one uh <laughs> so here we are recording a little bit late too but uh yeah man i mean talk about a real kick in the gut uh for pc after beating marquette um the night before at home or excuse me the earlier in the week at home and then to to have that georgetown game to put them in position to be 10 and 7 and uh and with a 10 and 7 record Looks way better than nine eight. Let's just put it that way. Uh, BLC, what were your thoughts on the Georgetown game? Um, frustration. Uh, they let opportunities slip out of their hands. They they beat Marquette, which was nice, um, and then they go into the Georgetown game, which is a game they should win. They're they were one. They're in and of itself not a great team. Look at their record. I think it's four and eight or three and eight. Um, they were also off for about three weeks due to COVID. So they were rusty. They haven't played in a while. And quite frankly, they didn't have much to play for besides pride. Providence had playing for NCAA tournament hopes. They still can do that, obviously. But a win there helps them probably get on the right side of the bubble. And um, they come out to a hot start. Uh, Georgetown falls back, and they end up losing the game due to a handful of things. But all in all, at a high level, just a very frustrating game to watch. Um and it seems like whenever there's an opportunity in front of them, especially lately with this Providence team, they just fall apart. They can't seize that opportunity, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we were texting during the game, and for me, I don't know what it was, but I was just going through the motions watching this game, man. Like, I, you know, they, they come out hot, they build a 15-point lead, and, like, to me, I'm kind of thinking, like, you know, this game will be similar to that game where where we saw Georgetown last year. And obviously, you don't want to always compare year in, year out. But that Georgetown team, that was also pretty, you know, they had just had all those guys leave the program. 
um, and they come in on, on New Year's Eve and uh, PC, you know, opens up a monster lead. Georgetown can't hit anything. And they go into the, to the halftime break with a monster lead. Then, you know, Georgetown makes a comeback, but ultimately PC ends up winning pretty comfortably. So I'm watching this game and I'm kind of, I don't know, there's something about it. I was like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. We're fine. And I pretty much just told that to myself throughout the entire game. Uh, they're up 15. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. Georgetown cuts it down to four. I'm like, eh, well, we're okay. We're okay. Uh, and then, like, literally, like, we're fine. We're fine throughout the entire game until the very end. I'm like, oh, oh shit, we're, we're going to lose here. <laughs> just a strange feeling for me. I should have known better being a front fan. But... Yes. You are you are prone to make predictions ahead of when something actually happens. With this one, you said we were fine when we were up 15, and we ended up losing, and then the Xavier game when we were up seven with like 73 seconds left, you're like, oh, we're going to win. So we need to, uh, we need to tell you to hold on a sec. Wait, no, I called game on. You, you did call game on Xavier and Pete and I went nuts because we were like, Mike, have you never watched the Friars before? They always collapse in these situations. Wait, but that wasn't the, that was at Xavier that I said game on that. Yes. We might have to go to tape on that. You, you can. You can go to the tape. But anyway, so the thing that frustrates me the most about the Georgetown game, besides the loss itself, is we are – we came out hot, and Georgetown's pretty much on the mat. They're ready to call, call it quits. We're up 15. I think it might have been 16, actually, at some point. And then Cooley decides to, for some reason, bring in four bench players – and I'm fine with the bench players coming in alongside three or four of the starters. He brought in four of the bench players. He brought in Gadeen, Gant, Croswell, and Horkler all at once. And I forget who was Duke or Breed in with them to round out the five. And I remember I texted the group. I'm like, hey, there's still, you know, we're looking really good, but there's still 30 minutes left in the game. Like, what are we doing here? 15. A 15-point lead isn't a 30-point lead. A 15-point lead, you could come back from very quickly. And it was still the first half. And why yeah, would you – It was early. I mean, like, yeah. super <laughs> Yeah, like, why would you pull your starters? And it wasn't like anybody was in foul trouble. Trouble. Reeves was scorching hot, and you pull him for some reason. Um, so, essentially, they, as soon as they put that lineup in, I sent a text to the group. I'm like – and I, I could be a little bit pessimistic during the games. I admit that. But, like, I was like – listen, why are we putting those four guys in right now when our starting lineup is doing really, really well? Jump out to a 20-plus point lead and, you know, kill clock as well. And then maybe you think about bringing those four in when there's like four or three minutes left and we're up like 18 or 19 points. Sure enough, Georgetown cuts it to a seven-point lead and then Cooley brings in all the starters again. And that, was, that wasn't the reason why we lost, but that was a big reason for it. You can't do those things against Big East teams, regardless of Georgetown's record, they are a Big East caliber team. They have some players and doing, making that substitution gave them new life and it completely changed the dynamics of the game. And that just really bothered me that like one Cooley made that decision, but also why are there not assistants saying, Hey, Hey Ed, what are we, what are we doing here? Why are we doing it? Like somebody, somebody needs to challenge him on that. And maybe that did happen, but you can't be leaving those guys in for three, two or three minutes, maybe even four minutes, however long it was, 
it, it, at the same time, it's just not a recipe for success. And it single-handedly let Georgetown get back in the game. So that was really frustrating. And I just went on a long tirade there, but it was clearly pent up frustration from the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that's totally a fair criticism. Um, it's actually kind of funny. Cause like, I kind of thought this game would be the day that we saw a little bit of Jair Davis, maybe <laughs> like in some garbage time, see what he, what he's got. And uh, I don't know, maybe Cooley was thinking the same way. I was like, yeah, screw it. Let's just give all these guys a, you know, solid burn together on the court at once. But um, yeah, I mean, understandably, that, that, that is frustrating. You know, 11-26 mark, they put in um, Gant, Crosswell. Oh, wait, when, what time did they put those guys in? There, were, there was um... – about 30 minutes left in the game. I don't know the exact numbers there. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, to, to go, um, yeah, to go with that lineup, I mean, a, you're talking about a team that is relied on its stars and has had immense trouble finding consistency from the other people <laughs> to put all your reserves in at once, uh, like a hockey lineup change. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it's not like it's not like we were down ten or twelve, and Cooley was trying to make a statement to the starters. Like the starters came out and blew the doors off Georgetown. Like you should reward them by riding them and keeping them playing. I understand they need they need breathers and they need some time on the bench, but you can put one of those starters on the bench and get them rest. Maybe two. You don't need to put three or four of them all at once. It's just um, it was just it was just a very unique and interesting coaching decision that I think ultimately was one of the primary reasons why we, we ended up losing the game. Yeah, for sure. And then, I mean, another reason uh, that, that Ed Cooley was adamant about, he pretty much said it was the, basically the reason why they lost uh, was the, the rebounding differential. Um, Georgetown out rebounds PC by uh, 14, I believe it was. And on top of that, they got 11 more offensive rebounds. Um and if you look, you know, one of those last possessions uh, of the game there bef- before Duke goes to the line, um, I believe they got like two offensive rebounds on that possession. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, unfortunately with this team, you know, Nate Watson's not a consistent of enough rebounder to, you know, for center. I mean, let's just be honest. Um, he's averaging six a game, which is fine, but that's not like great rebounding numbers for a guy that plays the, you know, 30 plus minutes um, at the center position. So with that, you got to lean on your guards to rebound and they do that. However, the problem is like, I feel like, you know, if you're in a position where they have the, um, the, their big is like in the paint around the hoop. It's going to be tough for a guy like Duke or a guy like Breed to get a rebound, right? Um, so, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you look at it, Horkler's giving you some solid minutes rebounding at times. Um, you know, you got Crosswell, who was known as a big time offensive rebounder. He actually had a nice offensive uh and one on during the game uh but you know 
it's just tough when you have to rely on your guards to, to rebound. And I, I think it's against a team like Georgetown that while their bigs aren't that, like, you know, they aren't that established in the league right now. They're still good players. Like yep. Chris Wahab is going to be good. Is he only he's a sophomore, sophomore, right? So like, he's going to be good. Um, the Northwestern state transfer that they had that absolutely killed, killed us that, that bio guy or whatever his name was. Yeah. We uh, seem to, we seem to have a lot of trouble. Like somebody, I forget. I read it somewhere and it was a really good comparison. He's like a, um, Potentially, he becomes this person, but he's like a, right now. He's like a poor man's uh, Damian Jefferson on Creighton. Like we just have a lot of trouble with those six five, six six, athletic, like well built. Uh, we'll call yeah. them power guards. And Bio, like not only was did he put up nineteen and nine, he um, he brought a little level of like energy and edge that Providence couldn't match. And I think. Cooley talked a lot about the rebounding efforts, and I think that's where it stemmed from. But also stemmed from that, like this guy, like they outworked us, and I think that's one of Cooley's biggest pet peeves. Like, if a better, like if a Villanova shoots the ball, shoots the leather off the ball, and they just beat us like that, I think Cooley can live with that. But Cooley's hallmark is, you know, tough, hardworking, gritty teams, and when a team beats them in, on in in that in that uh, capacity, he like loses his mind. Um, and I think that guy Bile was one of the main reasons for it. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I read in a projo that Georgetown only shot forty point eight percent, which I mean isn't terrible, but it isn't great either. But they collected forty four percent of their misses, so like, you just can't have that. Like you just can't. I don't care how bad Georgetown is perceived. You just can't give a team that many extra possessions. Um, and, I mean, I, I think that's what ultimately did cost them the game. I, I think, you know, obviously the lineup change to go from a 15-point lead to only a four-point halftime lead definitely plays into it. Um, but I'm going to be in agreement with Cooley on on definitely not his lineup position. Uh, but I will agree with him that I think that was the, the reason we lost that game, especially late. Yeah, and quickly, well um... – we're not, we're not going to win many games either when Watson and Duke, our dynamic duo, only put up 17 points. Yeah. Duke, Duke had a rough go of things, and I think we haven't mentioned him um, thus far in the podcast because we know what we can expect from Duke. The one, the one thing I would like to see more of, and we're, we're going to sound like Duke apologists, and, that, and that's fine, but like when Duke's off, it seems like he, he gets even more off because he settles for contested jumpers and threes. Like, if I'm the coaching staff, I design things for him to get him attacking the rim and get him looks down low, which I know sounds weird for a guard, but he's 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and he's well-built. Like, most people guarding him aren't going to be that big. I'd rather see the staff, like, say, recognize, okay, this isn't Duke's night. Let's get him some better looks down low. Let's get him attacking the rim. Let's get him driving to see the ball go in the hoop a couple times because what happened against Georgetown is he missed his first couple shots and he just kept taking contested twos, contested threes. And when you're not feeling it on a given night, that's they're not going to go in. And that just hurt us even more. So Duke, I think you may have said it, or Joey may have said it. Duke's won us just as many games, if not more. So it's, it's tough to be critical of him. The missed free throw stinks, certainly. Um, but that happens. Um, he's, 
you know, I don't know where we would be without him this year. Uh, and I'm sure he'll bounce back in the uh, scene hall game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to disagree a little bit in the sense that in this game in particular, I didn't, I didn't think he did that. As, he only took 11 shots. Yeah. So not a ton, but he only made two of them. Uh, so that hurts, but I will totally agree with um, getting him, trying getting him easier looks. Um, you know, last year, and I mean, obviously this makes sense because he was less of a focal point on the offense. But last year, he got a ton of his points on cuts to the hoop, mm-hmm. alley-oops, stuff like that. Uh, pretty much can't miss plays. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, now that he's considered the focal point of our offense and he's on the top of everyone scouting report that plays Providence – um, you would like to see when he is struggling, let's get him some easier looks. Let's get him some post-ups. Let's get him, him working off the ball and cutting. Um, you know, let's, I, I believe he did have an alley-oop in that game. He did, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, still, I, I think there was a lot more of that last year than, than there has been this year. Yeah, and, you know, maybe it stems back to Breed. Breed, Breed even though he has significantly exceeded my expectations, and I would say – 99% of fans' expectations. He's still just a freshman point guard, and we are missing Bynum, whose best capability, what we've seen thus far, is his passing ability. So maybe whenever he gets healthy, um, we'll see Duke get better looks. Um, maybe, maybe we can wrap up the, the Georgetown discussion, focusing on, you know, we should highlight how amazing Reeves was in that game. I can't imagine what the score would have been without him absolutely carrying the offense. And we've been waiting on this um, all year and he was just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he was awesome. Um, No doubt about it. It it seems like if he gets it going early, then forget about it. Mm -hmm. And granted, I mean, I, I want to go back to numbers. I only get a ton of points in the second half, but, um, but I mean, he was immense. So what did he finish at half with, 20 or 22? I think he finished with 20, and he wrapped up at 28. Yeah. So, I mean, not terrible, but um, 10 of 17 takes a lot of shots, but when a lot go in, you're fun with that. Uh, 6 of 12 from three, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just his overall offensive performance that game, which is a breath of fresh air from him being a guy that's had been known to kind of just sit in the corner a lot these days. For him to attack the basket the way he did in that game was huge. Dude, um, he's, and it helps that the threes go in, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he's another – like, he's got – like every. I think you, people say this too often, but he legit has a NBA pro body. He is 6'6", 6'7", as a two-guard. Um, and when he attacks the rim, he, sh- he you know, he is going to have the upper hand a lot of times. So, the 6-12, obviously, from three was great. I like to see that he had – he was what ten of seventeen, so he had four other buckets uh, that weren't threes, which shows. Oh, it was four had, or five from from the from two. Four or five from thanks. So, so it's like he had one. He had one uh, drive to the hoop where he just cocked back and flushed it, and we haven't really seen that all year from him. That that was awesome. So, um, Georgetown lost stinks, but like him putting up twenty eight five and five, and then Breed quietly had a ten five and five, like we're starting to get those third and fourth options for the offense. And hopefully that causes 
Watson and Duke not to press as much and just trust the team because they don't have to carry the whole team like they did probably earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, the frustrating part is, though, the night that you get an amazing Reeves, you get a a bad Watson and Duke. Uh, That shouldn't make sense. Uh, Hopefully hopefully one of these days they all just string it together at the same time. Yeah, seriously. Another thing I want to point out, you know, if you want to be critical of it, why did Nichols just not get any burn? He played eight minutes. Yeah. He hurt. No, I was re- I was reading. Uh, I was I forget where I was reading this because he was like getting toasted on the defensive end. But another weird thing, he played eight minutes. Maybe he did get hurt. I don't know. I didn't read anything on that. Um, he only played eight minutes, and then he I think he had a sequence where he made a three, and then he made another bucket back to back, and then he was pulled from the lineup. It's like. What, what are yeah. we doing here? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know me. I, I've been critical of Nichols for the fact that he kind of plays on all instincts, it seems. Um, but, like, you know, especially the fact, like, I feel like there have been so many times where they've had a guy like Iso Nichols, and, like, it's kind of like a roller coaster whether or not he gets a stop or not. Um, and I get that. But I do think his length and athleticism makes an impact on the lineup whether or not he's you know he hasn't been an amazing shot blocker or anything like that but i do think his length makes an impact and then offensively he can kind of like kind of pour in points like here and there so yeah Yeah. what was the um what was the stat that you had when i think it was against villanova where once he left the game they went on a crazy run and sure enough once once he left the lineup against Georgetown, Georgetown went on a crazy run. So you might have something there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. I, I think he just provides um, a uniqueness to, to the team defensively in terms of, you know, he may not be a great on the ball defender, but he's super long, super athletic. Like that makes an impact whether or not you see it on the stat sheet or not, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, I think that kind of just sums up everything in terms of, Frustration, like you said at the beginning here, that that's pretty much the key. You know, if you win the game, you're ten and seven, and you're just you just position yourself way better. And now, when you look at the resume, um, you're looking at a loss at Butler, a loss at Georgetown, two teams that will probably end up being, you know, not going to be a horrific loss, but those are two teams that are probably going to finish below 500. Like, yeah. most definitely. <laughs> so, um, our, yeah, our, just a frustrating game. Our saving grace, and we'll talk about this in the next segment, our saving grace is we don't really have the horrific losses that we had um, last year. So, we with the remaining games left, it's not like we need to go undefeated to make the tournament. I think yeah. after the game, myself included, everything was doom and gloom, um, and so, somewhat rightly so. But – you can still uh, you can still write the ship and finish a couple games above 500 in the remaining games and make the tournament. So all all all's not lost. Yeah, for sure. All right, so that wraps up the Georgetown game. We will be back to discuss uh, the upcoming game against Seton Hall. Um, two teams in desperate need of a win now. Uh, Seton Hall also nine and eight. They've been losers of three straight. Um, so 
we'll get to that after a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, welcome back to the Province Crier Podcast. All right, so we got the bat out of the way. Uh, the Georgetown game is now in the books. Um, but PC keeps it moving here. Massive stretch of games coming up. Um, first, starting with the Scene Hall game, uh, Wednesday night, tips at 7 at Alumni. Game, I believe the game's on FS1. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Yep. Um, so... You know, we do have a preview article that will be being released the day that this podcast is released. So check that out for sure. But, uh, you know, o- opening impressions of the hall, as I mentioned, um, going into the break, Seno has lost three straight games um, to uh, Nova twice and then Creighton. The Creighton game, though, was in, uh, uh, was in New Jersey. They absolutely choked. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. You know, they're reeling, and now, now they're coming uh, to play a PC team that also needs a win. So, I mean, what are your impressions of, of that one going into it? Um, so, one thing one thing that uh, scares me a little bit is their size. So, Georgetown's massive. So is Seton Hall. So, not, I mean, maybe the silver lining is Cooley has hammered home the rebounding and effort and tenacity. So, maybe that won't be as much of an issue due to effort. Um We'll see on that front. The other thing that I am nervous about is if you remember in the second half of our first game against Seton Hall, they found, they basically went hero ball with uh, Mamu and they basically isolated him against Nichols or whoever was guarding him. And there was a series of possessions, like four or five possessions in a row where he either um, made a basket or got to the free throw line. So I presume um, that Willard's going to try and do the same thing, get him, get him isolated and have him attack the rim because it clearly worked in the second half of the game and worked a little bit in overtime until we switched Greg Gant onto him, which stymied him a bit. Um, so I think Mama will probably have a big game. Uh, this is going to be, this is going to be a really tough game. Um, Seton Hall is almost a mirror image of Providence. When you think of the two programs, they're hard nosed, gritty, um, Nothing comes easy, uh, for better or worse. So I think it's going to be another, unfortunately for prior fans, it seems like it's been this way all year, another really tight one that comes down to the last seconds. It's interesting that you bring that up, coming down to the last seconds, um, because I after the, they lost to Creighton, I was reading how it – and you are right. They went to him a lot in the second half, but then towards the like, end of the game in overtime – they kind of just went away from him for some reason. He was nearly not nearly as aggressive. And apparently he did the, like the same thing happened against Creighton. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. And I think even worse towards crunch time, they'll try and, you know, get him the ball more. Uh, they should, by the they should, by the way, like I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's one of the best players in the big East. Like, just feed, run the offense through him. They don't really have a ton of other offensive options besides Roden and Kale for the most part, but like he's by far the best offensive option. They should, the offense should be featured with him and he should be, he should be the one that's putting up shots, manufacturing coverage for others, almost like a point forward. Yeah. Um, I got an interesting stat for you that I just pulled up let's, here. Let's hear it. And this is what makes me kind of feel a little, 
a little good here would be against Providence in six games. Mamu has 30 points. Is that right? That's what I'm looking at. Sports reference for his splits. In six games against Providence, he's only had 30 points. Yeah. That can't be right. It might be right, dude. Like, do you remember the game last year? He played terrible in the game last year at the dunk. uh, Diallo just shut him down. Um, That's a, I mean, I trust you. That's just, that is such a wild stat to me. If you were to say, you know, gun to head, how many points has, has Mamu had in six games against us? I probably would have said 60. I would have doubled it, honestly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, now I want to go back and, and, and check here what he did against us in that opener. Uh, he had 20. So now I'm thinking this might be wrong. I but, think I, – I, so, basically, you're saying in five other games he's only scored 10 points total. I think, I think you're uh, – that might be the definition of fake news, my friend. I, I don't know. Like, uh, see, now I can't – I can't do all the research here. I, I just kind of stumbled upon this, but I do think we've we have made life tough on him though throughout his. Career. Oh, for sure, I I agree with that. Um. So, you know, I, I think I think it, it will be interesting to see how much they go to him, especially late, and whether or not he can solve. Because I just feel like typically. He's a guy that has size and length and just that's what he uses to just abuse the opposition, right? And then you throw a PC at him that has dudes that are kind of built like that. Uh, and it seems to frustrate him a bit. Um, but yeah, controlling Mamu will be huge. Um, you know, Roden, I think, has come on yep. of late to be very good for them. Um, you know, the Aiken situation is just a bizarre one. <laughs> For sure. Um, you know, in that Creighton game, I, I don't think they like his defense, um, that, that he struggled on, on that front, and he struggled, like, finishing uh, around the rim. So, I mean, against Creighton, he had 20 points, and Willard, like, pulled – like, he didn't see the floor towards the end of the game. So odd. Uh, so – yeah, I, I do think they're kind of similar. I mean, obviously, same record. Uh, they've had a very up and down season. Um, they went to URI, lost by twelve, um, in, in a game that was close, and then just I, like URI controlled most of that game. So, um, yeah, they're a weird team, man. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, Willard's going to have them ready to play. Um, and yeah, yeah, their size is is, is definitely a concern. Uh, you, you think back to what Roe Gill did to us uh, last year. Um, you know, EK they haven't have had as much success with us, but he's huge. So yeah, um, it, yeah, I, I I agree with you in terms of it being a close game, and the way it's going where you just flip a coin with Providence this year in terms of late games, whether they win or lose. Um, Dude. You know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very worried. You I know. am too. I, 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 I mean, my radar on this team has been completely off all season. I actually don't think they're going to win. 
Providence, I don't think they're going to win. Um, but I, my intuition about this team has just been completely off. So hopefully that's a good sign for them. Um, we'll, we'll see if Bynum gets time. I don't know when the heck he's ever going to come back. I, I know. It's like, it's brutal. Cause I thought for sh- like in the fire text group that I'm in on Twitter, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not an insider. I've never claimed to be, uh, but my thought process, like they're asking like, when's Bynum going to be back? And my thought process was they'll probably skip the next two games and then he'd play in the Georgetown game on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that doesn't pan out. Obviously it's an injury that you don't want to rush him back, but at the same time, like, man, I think they need just another guy that can handle, handle the ball, get others involved. Um, and then who knows, who knows? I brought this up on a previous pod. Maybe he comes back and starts hitting some threes. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Well, we'll see about that one. As long as he can dish out like, five or six assists a game and get the offense flowing smoothly. That's a win in my book. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, kind of going back into the last segment, um, you said you expect Duke to bounce back. I, I think Duke's going to be a monster down the stretch here. Now, whether or he not need, that, he needs to be, he does. He, he definitely does. Um, but whether or not that leads to PC making a run at the tournament here, um, you know, we've seen games where he's went off and we lost. We've seen games where he's went off and we won barely. Uh, so, you know, whether or not that's indicative of us going to make the tournament or not, who knows, but I do think he's going to bounce back in a big, big way. Uh, he was pretty crushed. Uh, uh, he, he didn't quite Fabian Washington collapse to the floor and the guys couldn't peel him off the court. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. Like way yeah, back, I do. Uh, Memphis, Louisville, when they were in the CUSA, uh, playing for the CUSA tournament title. Fabian Washington got fouled shooting a three at the end of the game. Uh, and he, I believe he hit one. They were down two. He hit one, missed the second, missed the third, and oh. then collapsed to the ground. And I believe that year Memphis needed to win the CUSA tournament to get in. Uh, I believe they didn't earn that large that year. And I just remember him being like, he just collapsed the ground in tears and felt terrible for the guy. But the one thing that just stood out was like, guys were trying to like peel him off the court and they like couldn't. It was like, it was almost like he like had glue on his hands, just stuck to the court. Um, but yeah, when, when Duke misses that one, he was crushed. That well, was a one, weird ending, by the way. One quick, one quick aside on that is, I played sports my entire life. I love the camaraderies that teams bring. Um, the thing that really bothered me is he missed that free throw and they just, the camera panned in on him just standing by himself. Nobody freaking went over and like consoled yeah. him or anything. They're like they just, the team, like, and that's like, say whatever you want. I'm reading into it too much, but like this team doesn't seem to want to fight for each other, which bothers me. The only person who afterwards, when they were going through the, the handshake line or whatever, going back to the locker room, Reeves was the one because Reeves grew up with him, was like, hey, dude, you're going to bounce back or something along those lines. Like, But him missing that and then the rest of the people on the court just not even like going to like wrap their arms around them kind of bothered me a lot. It was such a weird uh, end to it, too. Um, you know, he misses it. Um, Wahab, I believe, got the rebound. And like... I didn't hear the buzzer go off. 
And like, he kind of was just like standing there and he like, like takes a few steps and like puts his fists up. It, it was a weird play, but whatever. Um, you know, yeah, that does. Um, I, I did notice that as well. Um, he, he was just slumped over at the free throw line. Nobody like went to grab him. Um, but, you know, is that, do we think they don't want, I mean, it's, I think that is kind of tough to read into whether or not the team I don't know. plays for each other, but certainly the optics show, show otherwise there. So, so we have, so with the scene hall game, we've kind of broken that down. We don't feel too great about that one. We have seven games definitely on the schedule, nine, potentially nine, potentially if we schedule Nova in Georgetown, Jay Wright's already said um, that game might not be rescheduled. And given the, the biggest tournament, you can mention that at the end, given that the biggest tournament is happening, I don't know if the Georgetown game gets rescheduled. So looking at our NCAA tournament hopes, we'll take the biggest tournament out of it. Um, with seven games left, what do you think we need to finish to be going into the Big East tournament thinking that we're on the right side of the bubble? Five and two? That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Uh, that, gets us, that gets us to 14 and 10 with our only – I'm doing hand quotations for those listening – bad losses being at Georgetown and at Butler, um, as opposed to last year, like at Long Beach State <laughs> – like we, we don't have many bad losses. Um, if we do get those two games rescheduled and there's nine total games, excluding the biggest tournament, I think we can get to six and three, which gets us to 15 and 11. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do think that's probably the magic number. Having said that though, you probably don't want to press your luck and lose at DePaul. And that's tough because I think DePaul's talented. <laughs> They just can't win. I, like, I don't know what's with the ball. Um, the, the other scary – not scary. Um, if they don't reschedule Villanova, they're looking at their schedule. I don't think there's many, like, marquee wins they have – or marquee opportunities they have left, right? Because they've already played Seton Hall – or uh, Creighton twice. Yep. I guess um, you, th- UConn, that they wasn't... Play, UConn they play twice? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was in, in Coke's article – uh, that, you know, they don't have as many opportunities as they did last year. Um, based on his writing, when he wrote it, he said that they have two quad one games left. Okay. So that would be at UConn against Nova. Because um, for it to be quad one, I think it has to be top 25 at home, uh, top 50 on the – no, top 50 neutral, top 75 on the road. Uh, okay. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously that stuff can change, too, uh, with other teams playing. But, um, yeah, my opinion, five and two, but you really don't want to press your luck with, uh, with uh, DePaul on the road. But, um, like I said, Val Ackerman actually came out today, uh, according to John Rothstein, announced um, that the tournament will still be on. There will be no fans. But um, – but yeah, I think there will be a big, there definitely will be a biggest tournament. So we don't have to stress too much about that. Like we might've last week, but uh, yeah, I mean, that I, I think, you know, five and two, and then depending on who you beat, who you lose to maybe get a win in the biggest tournament as well. Um, but yeah, that's my take. And th- that was kind of my, my final shots there was that news. Do you got anything? No, I think, 
we'll have the scene hall preview out um, early Wednesday morning. Uh, we'll have we'll have a breakdown after the game, hopefully after a win. Uh, and then there's some things I'm thinking about with recruiting that we can touch upon as well in articles. So we'll get that out. So um, we'll see what happens. All right. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of the Province Crier podcast. Uh, peace out, Friar Time. See you later. See you guys. Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah. David Duke when I'm way up on the hoop, babe. Crossover, I might go to LEU. Heard they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school. PC, you know we on go, ayy. Feel like AJ Reeves when I'm off that pick and roll, ayy. Fall down, bounce back like Emmy Hope, ayy. I'm the alpha dog, Diallo. They was sleeping on me, that's what made me a savage. And you see me bumping, so we gon' let them have it, yeah They don't want no static, we at the top just like the attic the This year we taking over March Madness Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah David Duke when I'm way above the hoop, babe Crossover, I might throw the alley-oop But they sleeping on me, well, let's take them back to school Man up in my city, I'm the truth, yeah